Are you longing for real-life change and lasting impact? Here at More To Be, we believe that it is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, and I have a guest with me today, Jennifer Dukes-Lee. And together, we want to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. So, Jennifer Dukes-Lee, in case you don't know who she is, I'm going to give you her formal bio because it tells so much, and then we'll hear from Jennifer. She is the author of The Happiness Dare and Love Idol, is a popular blogger and writer for Dayspring's Encourage and speaker at women's events and conferences throughout the United States. Her words have been featured on numerous podcast radio programs, Proverbs 31 Ministry, Fox News Opinion, The Des Moines Register, and Today's Christian Woman. As a former news reporter for several Midwestern newspapers, Jennifer still loves to chase a great story. Nowadays, however, she prefers to write about the remarkably good news of Jesus Christ. Jennifer is known for her authentic voice as she encourages women to walk in freedom. She clings to the hope of the cross and is passionate about sharing the gospel through story. She believes in miracles, and she is one. She marvels at God's unrelenting grace for people who mess up, stumbling sinners like her who have been made whole through Christ. Jennifer and her husband live on the Lee family farm where they raise crops, pigs, and two humans. She attends a small country church where some Sundays you'll find her spinning tunes as the church DJ. She's a big fan of dark chocolate, emojis, 80s music, bright lipsticks, and Netflix binges. She wants to live life in such a way that you can't help but want more of Jesus. And I would say all these these statements about Jennifer are absolutely true. I adore her, and I'm glad that she's here with us today. So Jennifer, welcome to the More To Me podcast. This is so fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to be able to connect with you uh, face-to-face, live-to-live over this internet thing. So you and I, we rub shoulders in that author mastermind group that we're both in and have been kind of running this blogger writing circuit for a little bit of time here. What has that journey been like for you in regards to um, exercising your faith and trusting God for what doesn't make any sense? Yeah, you know, I have been a writer. I've been a writer since I was a little girl and knew by the time I was 16 years old that I was going to be a news reporter. I just knew it. And that's what I did for the first about 15 years of my life. I got my first news job when I was 16 Mm -hmm. and um, went on to cover news in all kinds of places, particularly around the Midwest, covering politics and crime, natural disasters, anything that, you know, any emergency that happens, there's news reporters on the scene. And it was so strange for me when I moved back to the farm and um, worked part-time for a bit in news, but then stepped away to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, didn't write for about three years and then began to blog. And I began to blog about faith. And it was so strange for me because for the first time I wasn't asking questions of everybody else, Mm. um, that notebook between me and them. I was suddenly turning the reporter's notebook and asking questions of myself. What did I think about God? What did I think about purpose? What did I think about what scripture had to say? And what did I think about, um, how to, really trust God in trying times. And it was so weird to get into this position of writing about faith and something that seemed so loose and so big and this God that couldn't be put in a box and in a 
you know, a 10 inch news story that would be on page one, a of the paper. And, um, just the uncontainable nature of our Lord and just the complicated ways that I felt about, um, about him and about, um, what he was doing in my life. And all of that was happening as I was emerging from a period of agnosticism. And so, yeah. And so it was just so amazing and it felt so vulnerable and scary. So writing about faith is, it really is such a different way of writing about other people's business, you know, and to really get vulnerable about what I was feeling was, was super complicated, but and very exciting. And it's how I, it's like the pen helped me, um, find my way toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, um, writing about faith is like, it's like life. I, it's how I make sense of the world around me. It's how I make sense of, um, the good that happens in my life. It's how I make sense of things that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's how I accept um, the challenges that come my way. And it's how I um, weave my way through the struggles in life. And so for me, writing has just been a a real gift all of my life, but now, especially um, as I write about faith and, and just knowing that I'm not alone and the kind of crazy questions that I have about God um, and the way he works has been just really invigorating for me as a, as a writer. Is there one question that you are pursuing God with now in mm-hmm. light of the circumstances you're walking through? I don't know how much of that you want to share. I know it's been uh, a challenge for you. Yeah, you know, um, my sister, Julianne, my oldest sister, told me that one of the first words out of my mouth as a little girl was, Why? It was a question that I asked all the time. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in in the faith, but uh, by the time I was probably thirteen or fourteen years old, I was asking, "But why?" and "But how?" and those doubts began to, you know, really erode at the core of faith for me. Even though I was attending church on a very regular basis and was probably at the church three or four times a week, but the how and the why. Um, have always just kind of been a part of who I am. And even though now my faith that God is real, my faith that Jesus actually did die on the cross for my sins, that he did truly rise from a grave on a Sunday morning, that he really does empower his people, including me with the Holy Spirit. All of that is true. And I would die to say it's true. I would, you know, I would give my life to say this is true, but I still ask why an awful lot. Mm. And um, I um, have learned to accept the fact that this is my nature, that it's how God created me to be. In my Bible, I have underlined these words that are in um, the study notes of my NIV Bible. And it is this, silent doubts rarely find answers. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I've learned not to keep my doubts silent. Um, Most people will find me processing um, in pretty real time what I'm facing and what I'm struggling with, both in my blog, in my books, and on my every morning I have some kind of devotional that I'm posting on my Facebook page and on my Instagram. And I'm processing in real time my struggles. Um, I write from the middle. I'm not a writer who talks about long ago, I struggled. And, um, and then now here's the, the, um, the bow around the happy ending. I spend a lot of time exploring in the middle, which can be kind of a scary place to be. 
except that I'm finding that that's where most women are, is in the middle. And so um, I'm finding that it's a pretty good place to be, and I'm finding God faithful in it. I'm finding Him faithful to be present with me, even as I continue to ask, but why? Why, God? Even with things that I'm struggling with right now in my life, in my extended family that have been very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good word. Uh, the the middle is where we find ourselves, and it, it is it's uncomfortable because we know what we've come from, we know the the challenges we faced. We can look back and see that God has been faithful, or He's provided, or we were sanctified and transformed through that experience. But in the middle of it, you can't make promises about what's going to come ahead. You can't you can't see it. You have to just. The word that's on me these days is release. I have to release and trust that God, who knows everything, is utterly in control and loves me. And because he loves me, there will be provisions. may not be how I look, want it to look like or how I want it to turn out, but he is there. Yeah, yeah. So I know like as, as a planner person, as kind of a type A, um, one of the things that I've been saying lately is that Um, We ask for God to give us a map with the directions really clearly marked out, like kind of the way that your Google Maps are highlighted for you. But he just continues to hand me a compass and says, follow me. And Mm -hmm. so um, we don't get to have a very, you know, we don't get to see beyond just the next, even the next few minutes ordinarily. And um, (laughs) we just can make... We can make our plans, but the Lord knows our steps. That scripture that I think is in, in Proverbs, maybe. Yes. Yes. But um, right now, that's as I ask the big questions of why, that those kinds of verses really are speaking to me. Right. I understand. I've been through um, a, quite a set of circumstances in the last couple months. And uh, if you would have talked to me in August, I was at um, the brink of a book rejection, actually, which I was convinced was the book that God wanted me to write. I mean, there were there were circumstances lined up that I was like, this will be my next book. And I had just finished and turned in Unblinded Faith. So it was kind of a crazy time to be thinking about pitching another book proposal and moving forward. I mean, I hadn't even finished this one that's already coming out. But you know, my husband was on board, my agent was on board, my kids were on board, the friends who were advisors over me were on board, and boom, it was a no. And it was clear no. And I just sat here in my office screaming and yelling at God, like, why, God? Why? I use that question all the time. Why on earth give me something to see why I've sacrificed all this time? That's what I was really mad about. I wasn't mad that the book isn't going to get published. I was mad that I put all that time into the proposal process. And there were no answers, but the Lord had provided a friend back from New York visiting that weekend, and she sat across the couch with me, and there was nobody better fit to speak truth to my heart because she had known the journey of my life up until that point. So she could see back where I couldn't even see. And she kind of rebuked me in a couple of different ways, and I pulled myself together, and the messy cry stopped, and I said, okay, Lord, I release this to you, and I trust you. Well, the last couple of months, I have said to the Lord numerous times, thank you that I am not in the process of writing that book. Thank you for the lessons that you're teaching me now that will become part of that book at some point, should he ordain that I write it. And so even as like 
I was counseling my daughter on something that she's going through. That story is part of the lesson. I'm like, you saw what I walked through. You saw that in the moment I didn't understand, but that moving and continuing to move forward, confident that God's purposes will prevail has been my, my like, okay, just put that next foot forward and be faithful in what he's given you. And so I know that's something that resonates with your heart, that, that making those daily decisions uh, in your words that you shared with me in an email, making daily decisions with confidence in God's purposes. Tell me more about that perspective. Well, that exact line that you quoted, making daily decisions with confidence in God's purposes, came from the back cover copy of your awesome new book. My book? Yes. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yes. I thought it was your words. And no, I, I was looking at your book online, and I'm just so excited about it, first of all. It's so needed. Um, and it's got great endorsements from people who I really respect. And I already have a ton of respect for you. And I was just looking at that. And, um, you know, obviously, I haven't gotten to read it yet, um, because it's just now coming out. Right. Um, but I'm really excited to read it. And the thing that really stuck to me is making daily decisions with confidence in God's mm. purposes. Yeah. Because every woman that I know, that's a Christian woman, that's what we all want. We don't mean to be disobedient. We don't want to make decisions that go against his will and his purposes, but all of our own personal desires and our preferences get in the way. And, um, I just, I just really appreciate that. I'm really Mm -hmm. excited about what that means for us as women. Um, you know, and it's so hard because like this world is a buffet of so many different choices. Like, And you can always feel like you're standing at a crossroads and just about ready to make the worst decision of your life. You know, whether it's, do I take this job or, you know, for your younger, um, for your younger listeners, um, which college should I go to? Or maybe somebody who's in their fifties that's listening right now thinking, do I really go get my master's? Mm -hmm. Is it really worth it? Or should I move closer to the grandkids? I mean, we want to make these daily decisions with confidence and, um, trust that God is in it um, and that he's not just standing at that crossroads with his arms across his chest. Like you better get this one, right? (laughs) Like he's there to guide us. And even if we take what seems like the wrong path, it's not like he leaves us Mm -mm. there. He's walking with us no matter what we decide. And I just pray that God would give, you know, you and I um, clarity and for anybody who's listening right now, you know, just to help us make those daily decisions with confidence and clarity. And I know that's why you and I do what we do. Yes. <laughs> These books, because we want to equip women to yeah. be able to make good decisions um, yeah. for God's purposes. Yeah. And, and part of that, well, Unblinded Faith, my book that's coming out, was originally supposed to be called Begin With Yes. So yeah. the idea behind the whole book is that you, it's a devotional, 90 days, and you, let's take the word and let's agree with it regardless of how we feel about it. Yeah. Right? Because we like the, the scripture verses that tell us, you know, have joy in the Lord and, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and we want to plaster these really awesome, like, hip, hip, hooray verses on our coffee mugs and on our tote bags and our journals. I have them all over the place. I love them. But what about the scripture verses that promises us that that God's anger can be stirred up by our disobedience and that suffering is going to be part of our walk and that there will be joy and sorrow that go hand in hand? We need to be able to agree with all of the word, not just the parts that make us feel good. And so 
those 90 devotionals have the both and of these are the ones that we enjoy quoting and living by. And these are the ones that are we going to be women of God who steep ourselves in all of the truths of scripture and move forward in that. So I know you had a particular passage that you wanted us to talk about today. And why don't you set set it up a little bit and then I'll read the scripture passage because we always do that on our podcast and then we can unpack it a little further. Yeah. So um, it's the parable of the talents. And uh, when you asked me to share scripture, this one immediately came to mind because my latest book is called The Happiness Dare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, that published a, a couple of years ago. And um, I, I didn't even unpack the scripture crazily, oddly in the book, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And in the parable of the talents, um, we're introduced to a number of characters, three servants and the master. Master goes off on a trip, but before he does, he gives all the his money or talents, as they're mm-hmm. called, um, which I think is kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, talents because I'm like, oh, a talent is the fact that I can sing like Taylor Swift in the shower, you know, it's not that kind of talent. It's no. like a, a, a few thousand dollars, which is a lot back in biblical times. And so to um, the talents he gives to the first servant, he gives um, five talents to the second, he gives uh, two talents and to the third servant, he gives one talent. And then the master goes on this journey and um, the first servant takes his three or his five talents, he puts them to work, which means he invests them and he gains five more. And then the second servant takes his two talents and he puts them to work and he gains two more. And then the third servant, we know he goes out into a field or somewhere and he decides, I'm just going to dig a hole and I'm going to bury that talent. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then this, the, the, the master comes back from the journey and and when you read the scriptures in some of the uh, different translations, you can almost sense the excitement of that first servant going up to the master saying, hey, guess what? I put the money to work and um, I put those five to work and I gained five more. And the master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, um, come and share your master's happiness. Mm. Happiness. And so the second servant, again, he comes up to the master, says the same thing. He says, I took those two talents, I put them to work, and and I gained two more. And even though his was a little less, the master has the same words for him. Uh, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, the third servant, he did not get the same kind of a Reading from the master because he buried his his uh, his talent, and I always kind of felt like, oh, you know, he was playing it safe. You know, he didn't want to lose the master's money. Um, but the master, and which really means God, is not calling us to play it safe with what He has given us. Mm-hmm. He's calling us to invest it. Um, and so, whether you know He has given you five talents, or maybe you feel like a two talent person, or maybe you feel like all you have is one talent in this life, just a little bit of whatever God has given you. You know, God is calling you to invest it. And he is saying that when you do that, he is welcoming you into happiness. He is calling you to give with unblinded faith. Like, mm-hmm. trust me in this. Here's something I'm convinced, convinced about this story. When I think about that first servant, the one that had, had given the five and invested it, excuse me, he had put it to work and he gained five more. I am convinced based on the character of God that he had, he invested all five and lost all five. 
he still would have been invited into the master's happiness. And I am convinced of that because of who God says he is and that he has called us to invest with everything we've got, <laughs> all that he has given us. And he's inviting us to, to just trust him, just to invest with unblinded faith that it is okay to invest what he has given with us. And that I'm also convinced that had that first servant invested that one little talent, he could have gained 10 more. He could have been the richest person on the planet. And so I think about women right now who are just given all they've got. Some of the bravest, most courageous, most faithful women I know are just given it all they've got. And some of those women only have like what maybe the world thinks is the equivalent of one talent. But this is what I know. When those women get to the gates of heaven, Jesus will greet them and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. And they may say, yes, but look, I have nothing to show. I invested all you gave me, and I feel like I have nothing to show for it. And I just feel like he's going to take women like that, wrap them into his embrace and say, I know. Mm -hmm. I saw everything you did. I saw how you trusted me with what I gave you. And so to me, this is what it means to live a life of happiness, looking at what God gave us. Whether we feel like 10 talent people, five talent people, two talent people, or one talent people, and deciding because God trusted me with this much, I will invest it all. I'm going to give it all I've got because I've got this one life here. And God is saying to me, well done. And he is saying, come and, and share your, your master's happiness. God is a happy God. Like the master can't give what the master doesn't have. So if he's asking us to share in his happiness— this God who maybe somebody on the other end listening to this right now, this God who maybe somebody grew up with thinking is a judgmental God, a God who just sort of tolerates you, a God who is ready to strike you down. No, he is a God of joy and of happiness, not only holiness, but a happy, good God who delights in you. So that, that's the verses that are just really speaking to me right now. That is so good. And I'm going to I just want to, I want to read a portion right out of my Bible that's open here because something like clicked as you were speaking that I want to see if they hear too. Okay. So this is in the NLT, NLT translation and there is a keyword that's different than your keyword, but I think makes it fuller. So I'm just going to pick up at, at uh, Matthew 25. It actually starts officially at verse 14, uh, but well, I'm going to start right there. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. I think we could like substitute that for a woman in today's long journey of life, right? Uh, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And that word entrusted continually sticks out to me lately. Like we are entrusted in stewardship of. And as you said, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. And so there have been times I have felt like, but Lord, I want more. And but Lord, I can't handle all of this. And to go back to remember that he's entrusted us to what he sees as the proportion to our abilities and to rest in that. So verse 16 picks up, 
The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Servant with two bags went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, hid the master's money, just as you had described it so beautifully, Jennifer. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And in, in the translation that you have, the master's happy, and this translation talks about the celebration, and that makes me think of the prodigal son, where what happened when the prodigal son returned, there was a celebration. So your point of God is not going to be upset with you if you invest one, five, 25, and it doesn't pan out. I think that it's true to the character of God that he will celebrate for the fact that you have kept his heart. You, you've stewarded what he has entrusted to you. I think is more important to him than the actual result. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of what I was uh, hoping that would really come through. And I'm glad it did for you as well, because um, it's not about the return. It's about trusting. The, the third servant gained nothing because he risked nothing. Mm-hmm. He's not called to play it safe. No. And, you know, it's really revealing to me if you um, turn the page or move on toward, let's see, the 24th verse. Yes. Four, okay. And I'm going to read it out of the version you just said. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew you were a harsh man. So that's why he didn't. That's revealing. That's saying, here's why I didn't. Um, yeah. invest because you're a harsh man master. And I knew that if I invested this, that you were going to be mad at me. And mm-hmm. I think that's the way a lot of women are. I'm not going to invest what God has given me because I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint. Mm. And some of that, so, some other, um, uh, translations for that. I knew you were a harsh man. I know that you were a hard man. I know that you were a difficult man. And so many people believe God is a harsh, judging, difficult master. And they are unwilling to invest what they've been given because they're afraid of what will happen if it all goes south. You know, I felt that way in my own life at times. Like, I don't know what to do with, you know, the fact that I have an op. You know, sometimes I'll even sabotage myself. Like, oh, are you sure you really want me to to come speak at your event? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the the right woman for the job. You know, I had early in my speaking career, I did that all the time. I had, I was perfectly well equipped with a message and the ability to go deliver that message. But I didn't invest what God had given me because I was afraid I was going to disappoint. I was afraid I was going to disappoint God, and I was afraid I was going to disappoint people. And I think that we can live like that. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, and so we just don't, we don't invest. But he is not. He is right. a happy, joyful God that is inviting us to celebrate together with him. Yeah. And, and I think he's that happy, joyful God. And he is also, hear me flipping my, my Bible here. He tells us what to expect so that we can avoid the consequences of disobedience. So verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have will be taken away. 
Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, oh good grief. <laughs> right? I mean, so so we do read the scriptures and we think, oh, crud, like I'm in deep trouble if I if I don't follow through. But I had a student years and years ago, uh, Jessica, who was our babysitter, and she came from godly a godly family. And our kids were little, like in the under eight range. And I loved how Jessica turned out. I wanted my girls to turn out just like Jessica. So I'm like, Jessica, just tell me everything. Tell me everything about how your parents have done what they've done with you. I want to I wanna copy it. I've since learned there's no blueprint. But at the moment, I believed she had the secret. And she said, you know what? I have always had a reverence for my dad. I know his love for me. But I also know the consequence if I cross the line. And that, that fear of consequence keeps me in line. And I think that has helped me understand that God is my heavenly father who loves me and also wants to keep me in line. And, and that for me was transformative because I was still going through all my junk of, of my own father issues. You know, growing up in an abusive home where my dad was physically abusive to me. Uh, for years, I didn't know how to see God through the lens of whose character really is, which is kind and loving and, and wants his children to be within the, the protection of his fold. I could only see him through my dad. And it, it took that season that followed that conversation with Jessica for me to begin to say, God, show me who you really are so I could see my dad as you intended and recognize the consequence of sin rather than that character being put on you, which is not meant to be put on you. And, and now, you know, a decade later, I'm at a place where most days I believe God is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And there are still days that I think, well, but <laughs> am I going to get in trouble if, right? And, and, and that's just a lifetime of having to undo wrong thinking and, and move into seeing God the way I feel like you describe in your writing and your books of knowing his love and his joy and his faithfulness. Yeah. I would love for you to tell our readers more about the happiness dare and, and that what they would find in your book and that journey and your little uh, quiz, which I happen to do as well. The happiness dare quiz, which told me what I already knew about myself. (laughs) Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wrote this book back in 2015 and it wasn't the book that I thought I was going to write right then. Um, So you know how that goes, right? Yes. Um, But it just, I couldn't get over this feeling that I had begun to like sleepwalk through my life. Mm. Um, I had all these blessings and so many reasons to be happy, but I wouldn't have described myself as a happy person, even though I've kind of naturally been a pretty optimistic person. Um, Life was just weighing me down and I just felt dissatisfied and not content at all. And one morning I prayed to God, do you, I want to be happy? Is that okay that I want to be happy? Or do you only care about holiness mm. or maybe it's just joy? Cause like happiness totally gets thrown under the bus. Like joy is what we're after. And so we spiritualized all over spiritualized the whole thing. And then happiness is like this evil twin of joy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I couldn't deny the fact that I wanted happiness. So I'm like, if I have this desire, is this desire in me like something evil or is this desire in me? Um, something from you. And so I began to do a couple things. I went 
um, I went at scriptures like a news reporter, and I also cool. went research like a news reporter and found everything I could scientifically on happiness and um, <clears throat> could really see how God wired us for happiness in a really cool way, um, the way our brains are made. And so I, I tied this, like the science of happiness with the scripture of happiness and God is a happy God. And I realized that happiness and holiness can hold hands mm. and that the happiest times in my life have been when I felt closest to God and um, that it was happiness was not the opposite of holiness, but they were really intertwined. And I thought people need to know this message. We need to take back happiness um, and there's bad happiness. We all know people, and maybe we ourselves have done things in the name of happiness that aren't right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, people will say, I just want to be happy about then put the, you know, fill in the blank and it leads them to wrong thinking and wrong decisions, but you shouldn't throw like the happy um, baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is right. good about happiness and how did God create us for it? And so that's what was born from it. And I had so much fun and, you know, people will say, did it really change you, Jennifer, to do all that? And I'm like, yeah, it did. And the way I describe it is it makes me feel warm and bright on the inside. Like I swallowed a star mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that I'm always happy. Um, I'm not just like this unstoppably happy person. Um, I have, I'm going through hard things myself, but I've um, learned how to um, figure out what it means to fight for happiness. I've learned what it means to not let pain rule the day. Um, I've learned what it means to know that a happy God won the war, even when the enemy is trying to win the little battles. And it's helped me to gain proper perspective. Um, one of the, I think probably most popular parts of the book are the five chapters in the middle. Um, because everybody wants to like have permission for how they were created and like have a name and like, Oh, this is who I am. This is why I am this way. I created this happiness style quiz and I did it in consultation with psychologists and counselors and pastors and just all of the research I had done. And I came up with five happiness styles. And you can take a quiz at thehappinessdare.com and figure out what your style is. And it helps you understand that what makes it, how you're wired doesn't make you weird. It kind of makes you wonderful. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then the ways that you find happiness um, might not be exactly the same as your spouse or your kids or your best friend. And, and that's okay. And so I know you took the test. I did. Shall we psychoanalyze you? We shall psychoanalyze me. So I came up, surprise, surprise, as the doer. Okay, awesome. I, yes, I am happy when things are done. That's right. So there's doer, thinker, giver, relater, and experiencer. And because we're all made in the image of God, we are actually all five styles. But because we're unique individuals, most people have one and perhaps two that definitely rise to the top. And so you as a doer, um, you're probably, I'm guessing, um, a goal setting kind of a person. Mm -hmm. You're probably able to juggle a lot of tasks at once. And um, you feel really connected to God, um, not just when you're out on a walk reading or thinking about scripture or listening to worship music, which is fine. And you like that. 
but you really actually also find a lot of happiness in doing purposeful activity that he has asked you to do like your podcast, right? Yes. And you're knowing we are in this together, Jesus, we're doing this together. Um, so you, you can see how being productive is a part of how God made you in this, yeah. in this world. And that's so cool. Probably people de- uh, would describe you as determined, dependable. Um, yep. you're the kind of a person who doesn't have to wait for the weekend to live a happy life. Um, crazy people like you and me, cause I'm also a doer yeah. are as happy at eight o'clock on a Monday morning as some people are at five on a Friday. I think I'm happier at eight o'clock on a Monday morning. That's the problem because there's this insane pressure to relax and pull back and stop what you're doing. And I've been blessed with, I love what I'm doing. So I want to do more of it. You mean I have to take a day off like that? <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Why would I have to take a day off? We were yeah. separated at birth. I'm certain of it. Yeah. So of yeah. course, because like when we're in our sweet spot, that's good, you know, mm-hmm. but the problem is every single type, even givers have red flags. Like we all have this shadow side. And so the sh- shadow side or the red flags for a doer is that it's very easy to overindulge in your work. Yes. Um, you don't always enjoy your present level of progress because you're constantly focused on what's next. Right. So you might complete a task, like a chapter in a book. And instead of like celebrating that moment, you're immediately thinking about what's got to get done tomorrow. Um, you um, sometimes, well, doers in general, um, sometimes tie our worth to our performances. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we have a hard time saying no. Um, when we're not completing tasks, we can feel a little unsettled. Um, or if there's a sudden change in our ability to work, like if you lost your job, if you got really sick, um, a lot of like doers who are are suddenly find themselves in a period of retirement, um, they can get really deflated and depressed. And so I think what helps with this test is it helps people realize this is how God wired me. And this is how I can be the best version of myself wired for happiness in this way, but this is the stuff I've got to watch out for. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I do an assessment called the Highlands Ability Battery. It's a it's a technically a college and career assessment. It's linked to a database so you can find your jobs and your colleges and all that. But that's the same approach I have when I'm doing the Highlands with somebody is we're looking for your your God-given wiring, how you interact with people, how you solve problems, how you process information, how you respond to information. But the goal isn't to make excuse for the weakness or only lean into the strength. It's to understand this is your composition. How do you yield it for the glory of God? And I felt that way looking at the my results to the happiness dare of, of huh, I knew I was a doer. And the beauty of it is driven accomplishment. The weakness is forsaking relationships, forsaking self-care, forsaking, um, I, you know, I could be called a workaholic as much as I can be called driven. And one can be positive and one can be negative. And so to find that place of balance and be willing to kind of stretch myself beyond my natural Absolutely. propensity. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of times people think if you're a Christian, you should be one of these, like a giver, right? I mean, because yeah. like, Jesus was the ultimate giver. And, um, but the thing is, 
Jesus was, was the ult- ultimate doer. I mean, look what God created in six days, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's, and the, the other thing that's so amazing to me is that before God gave Adam a mate, um, he gave him work to do. Before he even gave him an outfit to wear, a uniform for work, he gave him the work. And so, um, you know, I think about those verses from Paul, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so as doers, we can be really in line with what God has us doing. And not just in, you know, kind of God stamped ministry. I mean, this this is for the dental hygienists who are listening right now, the kindergarten teachers at the public school, um, the bus drivers, the janitors, uh, the grocery clerk that's listening today, the stay-at-home mom, whoever you are, like whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Yes. Um, God is watching and he's got you right where he wants you and your work is valuable. That is, that is a perfect wrap there, Jen, because we've got – the 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 talents that you were talking about the trust right the work that as paul as you quoted paul whatever you do do it for the glory of god whether you're a doer or a relator or the one who experiences or the giver or the thinker whatever your wiring is yield it and trust that he's entrusted you i think that word not only entrusted but he also said ability he has divided it in proportion to their abilities yeah. And to camp out kind of in that, thanks, Lord. What do you want me to do next? That's right. So, Jennifer, I would love for you to share with our listeners one challenge, question, exercise, reflection point, something that you would like them to do in response to what we've talked about today. So, have any oh, ideas? I do. I think it would be so fun if um, your listeners would come over and take the happiness style quiz. It takes five minutes or less at thehappinessdare.com. And I think it will really affirm who they are and how they were created and give them some new ideas on how they could live into their God-made wiring. That is awesome. That is great. So where else can everybody find you? My blog is jenniferdukeslee.com. And uh, my Instagram and Twitter are Dukes Lee. So I'm just kind of Dukes Lee everywhere. And okay. I love Facebook every morning. I'm doing almost every morning. I do devotions kind of from that real raw middle that we talked about on that's, Jennifer Dukes Lee. Yes. That's awesome. I'm going to have to pop over there. I didn't realize you were doing that. So that's beneficial to me. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm going to end us in prayer because I love to do that. And then we will be able to carry on with our days here. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time that we've had with Jennifer, for the opportunity to really think about attributes of your character and uh, your word that maybe we tend to shy away from. I mean, I think Jennifer's right, God, that we tend to not think of you as a God who's a God of happy, and we think that we just need to think of you as a God who is holy and calling us to holiness. But It's both, Lord. So I pray that you would help us embrace this idea of happiness as we continue to move forward in gaining spiritual sight through believing your word is truth. Lord, I ask that you would awaken us to the truths that we found in the parable of the talents and that we would be willing to receive what you have given us and to steward it uh, to the best of our abilities that you would say to us when we see you face to face, well, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and free downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.